here at Maple Park Church. And this Advent conspiracy is simply that we would celebrate and, and do Advent in the season of Christmas differently. That we would uh, seek to be a people who worship fully. That we would worship the Lord with our whole heart. Not just a, a Sunday morning thing, but that we would worship 24-7. So worship fully, spend less. You know, Advent can be somewhat of a, a consumeristic circus where it's all about stuff. It's all about the shopping. It's all about having more under the tree. So our goal is that we would spend a little less, maybe 10% less, or that we would sacrifice something uh, during this season of Advent that we would be able to then give more. We'd be able to give towards uh, those who are in need within our community around the world. So our goal as we give more is to give towards a well in Chad, Africa. There are many people around the world, not just in Chad, but in, in developing countries around the world where clean drinking water is, is something that's, that's unheard of. People walk for miles, and oftentimes the, the water that they, the, the source of water that they walk to, the, the water's contaminated. It makes people sick. And so our goal is, is that we would worship fully, that we would spend less, and then that we would give more so that we can dig a well in Chad, Africa. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, read a story. And uh, this, is, this comes from our, our mission director, our global mission director, Dan Bimberg. Foley is a flu bay nomad camp in the middle of the bush. And there's a picture of one of these wells that we've dug. Over 180 wells we've dug uh, so far. It's pretty amazing. In the past, they had to move from place to place, seeking water and good pasture. They now have a desire to settle down in a sedentary lifestyle. This well that you see will allow them to not only settle down, but to invite their extended family members to settle down with them. They will farm, they will raise livestock, and they're very excited about the opportunity to settle. So pray for the people of Fole, that they will know the love of the great shepherd, these people who are shepherds, that they would know the Lord Jesus Christ as their great shepherd, who can lead them beside the quiet waters. Would you please stand with me today as we read our scripture lesson? And certainly our scripture lesson today from 1 John chapter 3 leads us to have a heart that desires to love all. So here, John, the Apostle John, writing under the inspiration, says this. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice, a practice of sinning, also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. 
You know that he, that is Jesus, appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. And then skipping to verse 16. By this we know love, that he, that is Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Here ends the reading. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. Give us your Holy Spirit today. Your Holy Spirit is the great counselor, the great teacher, the great comforter who comes to us. He comes to us in, 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 uh, in the message of the word to expose our, our sinfulness. He comes to us also in, in the word of the good news of the gospel so that we receive the promise that in you there is forgiveness and everlasting as a free gift of your grace. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. There really are only two ways to journey this life. There are only two ways to journey through this life. The first is a life lived in Christ. To live in Christ. The second is a life lived apart from Christ. So you're really only in in one of two camps. Either you're in Christ or you're apart from Christ. The first is is grace. It's God's grace given to you. The second is is sin. So if you've ever hung hung around the church, you're familiar that, that we talk a lot about sin and grace. Sin and grace. Uh, A life lived in in Christ is grace manifesting itself in love. So in Christ we receive grace and, and it shows itself in love. A life lived apart from Christ is sin manifesting itself in a life of what John calls lawlessness. That's having no regard for the commandments. And really, that's, that's a life of selfishness. A life of selfishness. A, a life lived in Christ is, is led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our guide. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. 
A life lived apart from Christ is led by the devil. So this is just a a very basic outline of what John, the apostle, is teaching us in our lesson today. So a life in Christ is of grace, of love, and of the Holy Spirit, and a life apart from Christ is of sin, selfishness, and the devil. That's why John says, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning, and no one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. This is a passage of scripture that can kind of freak you out, right? (laughs) This is a passage of scripture that can really cause you to doubt your salvation. To doubt if you're you're loved and forgiven. First of all, church, I, I want to be clear with you. I have struggled with sin my whole life. And if there's anybody in this room who says that they no longer struggle with sin, you're not telling the truth. You're actually deceiving yourself. And the truth isn't in you. So, I have struggled with sin my whole life. I struggled with sin before Jesus saved me. And I still struggle with sin after Jesus saved me. So who here struggles with sin? You're normal. You're normal. So whenever we read passages like this in the Bible, we need to to read them within the entire context of Scripture. If this was the only passage we had in the Bible, we'd all be in big trouble. And we wouldn't have much hope either. So we we look at at this passage within the context of all of Scripture. And the Apostle John also wrote in the same letter of 1 John. He says that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But he says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, We make him, that is God, a liar, and his word is not in us. What's John saying? John is saying that that Christians will not make a practice of sinning. In other words, our, our lives will not be defined by sin, but rather our lives will be defined by Christ and by his word. In other words, our lives as Christians are a life, our, our lives lived in repentance, continual repentance. Martin Luther, the reformer, said that the entire Christian life really can be defined by repentance. 
by repentance. And repentance is being broken over the reality of our sinfulness and then trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ alone for our salvation. So the life of a Christian is a life of repentance. And if we're not walking in daily repentance, then then we end up making a practice of sinning. In other words, we become comfortable in the lifestyle of sin. And we dwell there. We abide there in sin rather than abiding and dwelling in Christ and in his grace. So to live as a baptized believer is to walk in daily repentance. Seeking God's grace and to live a life of love. To live a life of love for God and for other people. And and when we come to the realization that we're not living the life that he's called us to live, we say, Lord, I am not loving you. Forgive me. And when we're we're, uh, living a selfish life and we're not loving our neighbors, we say, Lord, forgive me. And then there's grace and forgiveness that is free. So we need to really bring this down to our everyday lives. So we need to bring the, the abstract theological down to real life. These abstract theological ideas of sin and repentance need to to fit into our lives today, right? So let's see how practical this theology of sin and repentance is. 1 John 3, 16 and 18. This is the practical. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. That's where your forgiveness is. It's in the cross of Jesus Christ. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. So that's our life. That's our life. Laying our our own selfish desires down for the benefit of each other and for the benefit of, of this world. Verse 17, but if anyone has the world's goods, the world's goods, the stuff of this world, bank accounts, possessions, property, cars, and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. There it is. Love all. Love all. The Christian who who is um, living in Christ is not living for himself or for herself. The Christian who's living in Christ is living for the person who is in need. So we gladly package boxes of food and, and deliver them. It was just amazing to see everybody come out on Thursday night and pack 120 boxes full of food. And then the next day to deliver them to Cedar Valley Elementary or to 
um, to other, other people within the community in need. So we gladly deliver food. We gladly open our church to the homeless. It makes me feel so good. And I tell the people who, who run the cold weather shelter, it makes me so, feel so good that we're able to open up our church so that those who have nowhere to sleep on the coldest nights can come to our church. They can come to Maple Park and they have a warm, safe place to stay. Uh, so we, we gladly give to dig a well in Chad, Africa. We gladly help kids with homework and develop friendships with them. All of these things that we do that benefit, that, that, are, that aren't benefiting us, but are, that are benefiting our, our community and, and our world, are all expressions of the love of Christ within our hearts and lives. And we don't do these things to earn Jesus' grace and love. Some people believe that they need to do good works or they need to do good deeds to earn grace, to earn God's love, to earn God's favor. But you can't earn grace because grace is freely given. It's given to all of you who repent and believe the good news of the gospel. Grace is free. The gospel is this. The gospel is Jesus. Jesus who loves all. Read the gospels again. When Jesus interacts with people, he interacts with those that that nobody else will love and he loves them unconditionally. So the gospel is Jesus who loves all. The gospel is not us doing good deeds for others. The gospel is not us doing. The gospel is us receiving. The gospel is us receiving the love and the grace of Jesus. The gospel is the pure grace of Jesus Christ who laid down his life upon the cross to take away our sin. To take away my sin, to take away your sin, and to take away the sin of the world. There are two mountains of God. There are two mountains in the Bible. Both are good mountains. But but these mountains, these two mountains, do two completely different things. First is Mount Sinai. This is the place that God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are good. Uh, The Ten Commandments teach us what it means to love God and to love other people. The Ten Commandments, they, they, they teach us the way of the Christian life. But they cannot save us. The commandments only tell us God's will and God's ways for our lives. And the commandments, they say, thou shalt and thou shalt not. At Mount Sinai, God commands us to love all people and to love him. So at Mount Sinai, God commands. And he says, do this and do that and and don't do this and don't do that. And ultimately, his command at Mount Sinai is love all. 
The second mountain is Mount Calvary. And Mount Calvary is the place Jesus willingly laid down his life to take away your sin. This is where Jesus paid the penalty for our law breaking. This is the place where Jesus said, it is finished. Your sins are forgiven. Everlasting life is yours. You see at Mount Sinai, God commands. He says, love all people. But at Mount Calvary, God promises. He promises. And Mount Calvary says, I love all. I love you. And there's forgiveness for you. At Mount Sinai, God demands of us. At Mount Calvary, God gives to us. He gave his one and only son. Both mountains are good. Both are important. We need the law and the gospel. So Christmas is about what? Christmas is about God loving all. He loves all. Christmas is about God giving his all. And how did God love all and give to all? Well, you'll never understand Christmas. You'll never understand the baby in Bethlehem's manger apart from the cross of Mount Calvary. After Jesus had grown from a baby and he appeared with John the Baptist in the wilderness by the Jordan River, John the Baptist saw Jesus approaching the river and John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was born to be the sacrificial lamb who sacrificed his life upon the cross for you. So you'll never understand the baby in Bethlehem's manger apart from Mount Calvary's cross. Jesus was born to sacrifice his life upon the cross to take away your sin, to make you a new creation. Jesus was born to die. He was born to be raised again to newness of life, to make you a new creation in Christ Jesus. A new creation that loves all. And church, that's who you are. You are loved. You're loved by God today because of Jesus, because of his grace, because of this amazing love. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. To love all. Freely. As a reflection of the love that Christ has shown towards us and the whole world. So we we do good works for the benefit of of others. Not uh, doing good works to appease a righteous and holy God. But to do good works because you cannot help but do good works because of the joy and the freedom that are yours in Jesus. We do good works because our neighbors are in need. People in Chad, Africa are in need. The uh, 2017 UNICEF child mortality report claims that one child in 36 dies in the first month in the poorer areas like sub-Sahara Africa. 
So one in 36 in sub-Sahara Africa. While in the world's high-income countries like America, the ratio is one in 333. In large part, this high mortality rate is due to a lack of clean drinking water. So during Advent, our focus as a congregation is that we would worship fully. Worship fully. Not just for one hour on Sunday, but 24-7, because to worship is to live a life that honors God. That we would worship fully. Spend a little less. I'm not telling you to just completely do away with the presence. <laughs> I think your kids would be pretty disappointed. Just to spend a little less and to give a little more so that we can dig this well in Chad, Africa. The goal is, is that in doing this, we would love all. Our prayer is that we can use some of the resources that God has given to us to dig a brand new well where it's desperately needed so that they can drink and have health and so that they can gather around this well and hear from Christians about the living water that is ours in Jesus Christ. So in closing, we're going to watch a video. I'm going to have Alex turn down the, the light so we can see the screen as the best we can. And this video helps us to understand the need for clean drinking water in Chad, Africa. Make sure we got the... At one uh, mile, I wish my day could start like yours. On a gentle walk to school, and later to a shopping mall. A party or a local park. At two miles, I contemplate what it's like at your place to turn a tap and see the flow of water for a clean of teeth, a drink, a shower, and a wash of clothes. At three miles, I think of you. Perhaps you're in a swimming pool or eating at a restaurant with water bottles on your table. At four miles, I ask myself whether you ever give an idle thought about my trek through scorching heat to the spring, the riverbank, a muddy hole where I collect the dirty water I must drink. I start the four-mile journey home. A full container on my back. Sometimes I daydream about other children in other countries far away from here. I wonder what the distance is of their daily water walk. That's not the website we're using. If you'd like to give, uh, we welcome that gift towards our Walk for Wells Advent Conspiracy Project. You can simply write a check in the memo line, put Walk for Wells. Uh, you can give through our online database, CCB, uh, for the Walk for Wells. Uh, we thank you so much for your contribution uh, to uh, digging another well in Chad, Africa. Lord Jesus, we come before you. We pray for kids 
like the, the girl that was represented in this uh, video, knowing that she is only one of, of countless people around the world. Uh, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that you would uh, open up our hearts in such a way that we would have a desire to truly love all. Uh, that, that we have the world's goods, we have all of these things, Lord, that you've blessed us with. So help us, Lord Jesus, to, to just sacrifice a little bit so that we can make a, such a massive difference in other people's lives. Lord, we thank you that you are the living water, that your grace is living water for us, that your love is living water for us, that your forgiveness is living water for us. Help us, Lord, who are parched today from the pressures and from the difficulties and the hardships of this world. Help us to, to not resist you, but let us open, let, uh, we ask that you would open our hearts, that we would be refreshed by the grace that you promised to give us. Oh Lord, have mercy, be gracious to us, help us to worship fully, spend less, give more, and love all. Amen.